Back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins, the show where Dr. Bill and I are supposed to review comics. And I'm drinking Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's not even piss warm. That's right. It's cold. It's ice cold. Hard black cherry lemonade. Mike's Lemonade is a proud sponsor of Back to the Bins. If only. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to, uh, to let everybody know what's going on... Uh, Bill and I are recording on not our usual night because of other commitments. So I hurriedly, 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 hurriedly quickly picked a book to, to cover. Uh, and, I, and I prepared a synopsis. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. This is the last episode of the Kyle Rayner run on uh, Green Lantern. Sean covered this on Just One of the Guys. So I just confirmed that by looking on the Just One of the Guys website. And I'm not going to cover a book at this point in time that Sean covered, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Dr. Bill had a somewhat hectic day at work, so he doesn't have a book. So therefore, we are the bookless duo today. <laughs> the bookless wonders. Book free. The ambiguously bookless duo. It is, it is a book free zone today. No books for you. So, let's talk a little comics. What's going on with comics lately? Um... I was reading an article just uh, when I got home. Uh, no, I was not on the can. Um, Took that question was... from me. <laughs> See, I, I, I know you. Because it was something on Facebook, yeah, so it must be true. But anyway, he was talking about, did you see about John McTiernan, basically, who has directed films that we both like? Die Predator. Hard. Uh, Predator as well, too, right? Didn't he, he, rent, he did Die Hard, didn't he? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Predator as well, yeah. Um. Excuse me, Mike's Hard Lemonade's coming back up. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my. Ah, here it is. Found it. Die Hard's John McTiernan slams blockbusters Captain America. John McTiernan, all, all they're making are comic book adaptations. There's action, but no human beings. They're films made by fascists. Fascists? Really? <laughs> and, and Andy's quote that I read, Mr. Andrew Leyland, a fellow uh, host of ours, uh, says, like, this was a, a quote that uh, that Mr. Uh, McTiernan says. A kid used to be able to learn how to be a man or a woman. Uh, or, excuse me. Used to be able to learn how a man or a woman should act by watching films, morals. And then Andy said, does anyone else see the irony here, given he's talking about the Captain America movies? And I read the article a little bit. And uh, one, I, I, I was a little confused because apparently Mr. McTiernan was uh, in jail for something. Oh, I was not aware of. That he just was released. Uh, says Apparently, he's not a big fan of fascism. Or is he? <laughs> That's messed up. Fascists. Here, I will. I, I will post the link if you would like to uh, take a look at the article real quick. It wasn't really. It didn't really have a lot of details. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it's an excerpt from another longer article. It's there up in the chat if you'd like to peruse this. Just such riveting podcasting we're doing right now. I mean, it's only a few paragraphs long. That's why I think there's more to this than meets the eye. McTiernan, more than meets the eye. His answer above came in response to being asked whether he thought major studios were poisoning action cinema with their ideologies to give Mr. McTiernan's quotes due context. I think he's an idiot. <laughs> he's made some very good movies, but he's an idiot. I mean, what, you know, I know, I understand it's a different genre. But as far as learning how to be an adult, or more importantly, what movies really are supposed to do, entertainment, what's the difference between an action blockbuster with a superhero or an action blockbuster with a non-superhero who acts in a superhero way like Bruce Willis in Die Hard or Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator? Well, I mean, like the full quote um, here is, all they're making are comic book adaptations. There's action, but no human beings. 
They're films made by fascists. They're making all kind. They're making all the kids in the world think they'll never be important enough to have a film made about their life. As opposed to Die Hard or Predator. To Predator. And it's a unique moment in the history of cinema. It didn't used to be like this. A kid used to be able to learn how a man or a woman should act by watching films. Morals. Comics make heroes for businesses. That's just stupid. I'm sorry. It's, it makes no sense when you consider in context to what he made when he was a yeah an active director. I mean, well, you know, he's kind of right. Predator did teach me how to shave. <laughs> I learned the words to Long Tall Sally. I always break that razor every damn time. Cut my face, you know. When I'm out mowing the lawn and I'm really getting hot and I want to come inside, I just start stripping my clothes off going, I'm going to have me some fun. I'm going to have me some fun. So let's see what's what's in Mr. McTiernan's filmography. As a director, Nomads. Nomads. I believe that's with Pierce Brosnan. Oh. It is. Leslie Ann Down, Pierce Brosnan. And then just for, by way of uh, description, a French anthropologist moves to Los Angeles and is followed by the evil spirits of an extinct tribe he once uncovered. That certainly teaches children about life. Predator, Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October. He did Med- The Hunt for Red October? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Medicine Man, which is a uh, Sean Connery vehicle as well. Yeah, that's where he was uh, save- getting the plants in the rainforest. And- yeah, I believe with Lorraine Bracco. Oh, yeah. Uh, Last Action Hero. Ah, that's... Die Hard with a Vengeance. The 13th Warrior. Thomas Crown Affair. Rollerball. Basic. And then it says Announced. Thin Rain. So his last movie was Basic in 2003, and the next one doesn't have a date, so I don't even know if it's 2017 or when it's going to be. But there isn't a movie on there that I think would teach you about how to grow up and be a man. Be a man. So... I think his his criticism cries out for him to look in the mirror and see if the kettle is also black. I think it's kind of dumb, actually. So I took a, a ride the other day, changing the subject, to the... Uh, oh, wait, I'm still looking okay. at why, why he went to prison. Perjury. I'm just looking at his... his, his uh, Biography. He's been married to Gail Sistrunk since 2012. He was previously married to Kate Harrington, Donna Dubrow, and Carol Land. At the same time? He's on his fourth marriage. I mean, as somebody who has been married and is no longer, I I understand that that happens. But Mm. four times seems to be excessive. I don't know. I don't mean to be overly critical. Oh, I guess he lied uh, to the FBI. Wow, you mean you can go to prison for lying to the FBI? Wait, I guess we... Perjury. We, we, in a criminal in a criminal wiretapping case filed by the U.S. District Attorney for Los Angeles, John McTiernan pled guilty to lying to FBI agents about requesting to have Anthony Pelicano investigate producer Charles Roven during production of Rollerball. Sentenced to four months in federal prison on September 24, 2007, plea was withdrawn and restated as innocent since statement had been given to FBI when McTiernan was admittedly suffering jet lag and drunk. After arriving in U.S. from a U.K. trip, case was tried and U.S. conviction was handed down on October 4, 2010 by U.S. Judge Dale Fisher with a one-year sentence and $100,000 U.S. dollar $100,000 fine against McTiernan. McTiernan's attorneys announced intent to appeal and he is currently free on appeal. Hmm. So you can go to prison for lying under oath. That's called perjury. Some people can. Some can. If you see how I'm just staying away. If you have the that. appropriate office, you don't have to. Right. If you're high enough in certain things that you just don't, you can do whatever you want because that's the way America is, kids. And see, there you go. Teach about America. Yeah. Well, no, that's yeah, that's any country. So as I was saying, I, t- I took a ride the other day to the comic store that we went to. That first one, the smaller one, where they had those boxes of Bronze Age books. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I picked up a few. Mm. I got Defenders number 23. I got Champions issues 4 and 5, which completes my run of Champions. Marvel Spotlight number 9, featuring the Ghost Rider. Mm. Thor number 178, where he's fighting the Abomination. Thor number 172, Menace of the Mind Slave. Marvel Premiere number 10 and 13, two Doctor Strange books. Marvel Premiere number 2, featuring the Power of Warlock. Power of Warlock number seven, 
I've decided I want to try and complete that run. Hmm. And then I got Doc Savage number one. Is that Marvel? Yeah. DC? Or what? Marvel. Movies? So the 1974, 73. Cool. Love, love me some Bronze Age Marvel. That's definitely my soft spot. That in the back of my head. Shh. We won't tell anybody. But the... Oh. So, uh, what was the prices on those? Was it pretty good? Uh, yeah, they all ranged between one and four dollars. Oh, that's not bad. And the whole the whole lot of them cost me like, like around, I would think it was around twenty bucks for the bunch. Mm. So that was like the new place that you discovered, right? Like the little hidey hole there. Yeah, this the smaller place where I had never been to before. And then we went in, and they uh, they gave us the member discount. Yeah. So. Yeah, that yeah that was where I got that big uh, trade for Ben, with the Star Wars books in it. And he's and he's suddenly like, oh yeah, I'm really. He's like, do you have any Star Wars comics at home? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Don't touch them. <laughs> you can't see them. So when he gets back from, uh, he's up in Ohio right now. I'm all by myself in the house. Nobody's here but me and the dog and a cat. So sad. Oh, we, we level off. I'm all by myself in my house with the dog, the dog, and the dog. <laughs> you have three dogs. Oh, you've got the the other dog, the visiting dog. Yeah, two of my own plus a visitor. Yeah. Well, I've got the dog, the cat, and I don't know, three fish, I think, in there right now. I, I see your two, three fish, and I raise you two guinea pigs. Ah, <laughs> uh, no more guinea pigs. Guinea pigs are the guinea pig is gone. He's been gone for years. I'm actually, just, he's. I'm just waiting till I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, he's somewhere in the backyard and underneath a stone, underneath where the tree used to be. He's he's about four feet down in a box. Yeah. Well, we we have one guinea pig in the backyard who's who's a couple of feet down in a box. The other two have survived. We had three at one point. What's in a box? Oh, sorry. This just in. Uh, some. Uh, did you see the CW costume of Kid Flash? Yeah, I saw it. Looks. I mean, I only saw the one image of it. Yeah, that's all that I've seen. The one where he's looking down. It looks pretty faithful to the comic image, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like. Oh wait, that. I just saw a second. Oh, here's the second image with uh, him kind of like running to the side. But it's yeah, it's got that open top. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's which I'm uh, not. I'm not a huge fan of that look, but for some reason on Kid Flash, I like it. Mm-hmm. Like when Cyclops had it, I didn't like it. <laughs> well, Angel had that too, didn't he? That open top. Mm-hmm. Like this didn't bother me as much. I don't know why. I, for some reason, on some costumes it looks okay, and other ones it looks just a little too '90s for me. Mm, true. Also, um, since we're talking comic news, I just saw Fox orders pilot for TV series based on Marvel franchise. Oh, well, wait. Fox we have any, any thought as to what franchise that may be? Well, it says it will be on the based in the X-Men universe. And Matt Nick's creator of Burn Notice, is set to write the script. Hmm. I wonder what they do in the X-Universe. Maybe like a New Mutants kind of book uh, series? I don't know. Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But Burn Notice wasn't a bad show. It had Bruce Campbell in it. Any show with Bruce Campbell in it can't be all bad. Yeah, I, I never... Never actually watched that, so I can't. I can't give comment. I, it was, uh, you know, basically a spy that gets cut loose by the agencies, and he's stuck in Miami, and he has to fend for himself, and you know, to work his way back into like an agency or just make his own way. It wasn't a bad show. A lot of action, or more of a uh, you know Roy Witt type of thing. A little both. There was a lot of like you know basically, a a lot of the show was him doing a voiceover explaining how like when you're a spy and you need to get information or you know ways to break into places i don't know how true to actual you know way how true the science was or the 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 techniques he used to get into places were um but it was entertaining Hmm. all right well if it was you know if you felt it was well written then at least that would make you think that this show has a chance of success yeah and um Bruce Campbell played a um, ex. I want to say he was a retired SEAL and also in the CIA, who was this guy's friend. So he kind of helped him out. But then I think later on it was like he was actually like watching him. It was, you know, it, it had like some layers to it. And then the the guy that had been burned by the agency, he was also trying to live with his mom, and his mom was getting sucked into the adventures. Uh, Sharon Gless played the mom. Huh. Is she Cagney or Lacey? I don't remember which one she was. <laughs> She's Bruce Campbell's mom? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. She was the other guy. Um, I can't remember the, the, the spy. I can't remember his character's name. Damn it. 
No, but but Bruce Campbell, I think, started to get a, a, a like had a relationship with his mom. Ah, uh, yeah, that sounds were, a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, and then there was a hot chick that uh, I'm gonna say she was like uh, Irish. She played like she was like an Irish arms dealer lady. She was pretty smoking. So, but yeah, if there's nothing on and you want to just try something, I'm I'm sure it's on Hulu or Netflix. I'm pretty sure it is on Netflix actually. You know, maybe just watch an episode or two, see what you think. You've been listening to Burn Notice Cast. <laughs> Not to be confused with Third Degree Burn. Notice Cast. Right. <laughs> well, that's all the Facebook comic news I can find. So why don't we hit on a little email now? Yeah, mail time, mail time, mail time. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! Oh, that's awful. I need another drink. I, I, finished mean, up. I may I finished just up. overdub us with the real voices. <laughs> I f- Mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Oh, that's one bottle down. Ugh. Warriors. Our first email. Come out to play. Oh, sorry. Our first email is titled JLA JSA Team Up Show from Kirk Greenfield. Jilla Jissa. It's a Jilla Jissa Team Up. Yeah. And it says, Dear Mr. Ray Romano, now that your secret identity has been blown, I hope you will drop the pretense that you're someone named Paul Spataro. I still don't think I sound that much like Ray Romano. I don't get it. Everybody loves Paul. Well, that's true, but that's besides the point. I listened to the JLA 2930 show. Even though I am not a DC fan, but a Silver Age Marvel zombie, before that was a negative term, and and later still the basis for a truly awful one-note joke that got picked up and turned into an entire line of Marvel zombie parodies, you commented that Marvel seemed to mature out of the Silver Age faster than DC, who seemed to think they were constantly writing two, four kids... I think Stan recognized that he was getting letters from high school and college kids and began to adjust the scope of the story and arc to pitch to a higher education audience, as well as working the true believer, you're one of us club atmosphere to make the reader feel like they belonged. And it worked. For several years, when the expansion happens in 1968, the quality couldn't be maintained and the line started to fall apart, with new and different artists and writers taking over. But prior to that, say 1964 to 68, Marvel was on fire and there was rarely a misstep. May I suggest you go read the first Avengers annual for another story patterned after the DC JLA JSA type story, and a bad story it is. But for a companion story arc, may I suggest you bring to the binge show Avengers 69, 70, and 71, and the appropriate Invaders annual that shows the fight in 71 from the other side. If you can't do all of this, then drop Avengers 69 and make Dr. Bill and Scott each bring one issue to the table to share. 70, 71, Invaders Annual 1. And finally, don't be too hard on Gardner Fox. He didn't know he was writing something important or would be something important in the future. He was just trying to make a deadline and turn in an entertaining story for kids. It's only in hindsight that many of the disposable stories have become significant. Kirk Greenfield, host, co-host of the Imperious Rex Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader podcast, along with daughter Ren. Kirk hits on a couple of points here that I think uh, I'd like to talk about. Uh, yeah, I definitely think Stan did the true believer, you're one of us, part of the club thing, and did it really, really well. And I think he did mature the Marvel line in 64 to 68. But I disagree that the line started to fall apart when the other writers and artists came into it. In fact, I, I thought a lot of that work built on what was done in 64 to 68 and matured it a step further. You know, at that point, we had a, basically a bunch of young adults, you know, people in their late teens, early 20s, writing a lot of the books at that point, And some of them had uh, chemically induced uh, ways of thinking at that point as well. Which would appeal to many of their reader constituency but i think i think they were clearly writing for people their own age and were adding a level of maturity to what stan had already done you know stan with stan everything was was radioactivity and magnets and transistors (laughs) you know i i think especially when you got to the point where marvel started being able to produce horror books and you know 
just the the line expanded with a lot of stuff. Yes, there was a lot of subpar stuff, but I think the majority of what came out then was was pretty high quality. I think you had a lot of writers who were, who were doing their best to emulate what Stan had done and trying to build on it. So I I, I love the uh, you know maybe it's because it's the era I grew up in. And you always think fonder of that stuff, but I love the stuff from the late '60s, you know, well into the '70s and '80s. You know, as as you could tell by the books I just went through that I purchased mm-hmm. that are all in that era. I'm not sure what's so wrong with Avengers Annual Number One. I mean, I just read a quick. I'm, I'm not sure when he, when he says that a bad story it is. I'm not sure he's saying that the Avengers Annual is the bad story or that the JLA J, JSA crossover was a bad story. I'm not sure which one, and Kirk could uh, correct us on that. Yeah, I thought the first Avengers Annual, it's been a long time since I read it. But when I read it, I remember enjoying it. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to, because he's saying it's patterned after the DC, JLA, JSA type story. But it's not really a team up. It's because it, I'm just reading it and it's not the entire book because I don't have it in front of me. But I'm just, it says, uh, synopsis, living laser attempts to escape prison. But Iron Man is about to stop him when he vanishes suddenly. Iron Man calls a meeting of all the Avengers. Uh, Living Laser have been teleported by the Mandarin as well as the Swordsman, Power Man, the Executioner, and the Enchantress. They are told to attack places all over the world. The Avengers informed about this by Nick Fury. Um, so then they break off in teams to fight the different uh, groups. Uh, then uh, the Mandarin uses a hate ray and causes them to fight the person closest to them. Uh, the Mandarin, and then the Mandarin gets sucked out from his space station in a hole, and he gets sucked into space. The Avengers plant a bomb and destroy the base after leaving. I don't know, I mean, unless he's just saying that the whole, that breaking up in the teams and fighting different villains, or, I don't know, because I don't remember what that, what the JLA, JSA story was. It, you, well, you should have listened to the episode that Scott and I did. I have not listened yet, because I am not caught up. It's so, bad, I'm bad way behind. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't listen to everything. I do. I do agree with Kirk about uh, Avengers sixty nine, seventy, and seventy one, and then the Invaders Annual, because that mm-hmm. that is a kind of a cool little run there, and then a comparison. Isn't that with the Squadron Supreme in there too? The Squadron Supreme, I believe, is in sixty nine. Then, or, or actually, I believe it's Kang in sixty nine, Squadron Supreme in seventy, with Kang against the Grandmaster. And that's how the Squadron Supreme, or actually Squadron Sinister, mm. comes into play. And then in 71, they fight the Invaders before there was such a team as the Invaders. Mm. Kang. So that Invaders annual number one, they show the, the opposite point of view. They show the Invaders' point of view going into that battle. So did they get Michael and Sara to play Kang? They should have. Yeah. Should have been a live-action Kang. Because they were now prisoners of the Klingon, Klingon Empire against whom they've committed a wanton act of war. <laughs> we're being attacked by a giant floating asterisk that little thingy spinning around Ooh. never mind oh I guess I gotta read something I thought it would be nice uh, uh, you having trouble because I, I have mine open already I'll just do another one <laughs> why is it not going back to Ben's mail What is? It? I don't know but the next one is there we go I got it I got it I got uh, there. I, I ain't got, got it. it ah here here it is okay finally opened up Wow, that's a big picture. What is that a picture of? Maybe you, maybe you should read the uh, email and maybe it'll tell you. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I was just in, enthralled by that picture. It looks. I so know it, it makes for very good listening to listen to you to listen to you look at a picture. Hey, I I'm really good at describing trailers. Obviously, from what our listeners mm-hmm. said. Why don't you read a letter, Bill? Hi, Paul and Scott. But, but this doesn't even concern me. As usual, I enjoyed the show a lot and came away. Oh, this is from Dion <laughs> Balis, Balisican. 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 Dion Balisican. Right? Huh? Sound good? No? You're Italian. You tell me how to say it. Why? Is that an Italian name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't believe that's an Italian name, Bill. How, how do you say that? I, I would probably say it similar to that. Balisican. Okay. Well, I'm sorry if I have messed up your name sir but i've been drinking as usual i enjoyed the show a lot and came away with comics to look oh and what would we oh subject earth three back to the bins 240 hi paul and scott as usual i enjoyed the show a lot and came away with comics to look to look into from your conversation before and during the book review a favorite part of the show for me i felt compelled to write in after hearing scott's comment on the avengers kree scrawl war I was also unimpressed after finally getting to read this classic story a few years ago. 
I am not an active comic collector, but I have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited, and I like to read what trades I come across at my library. I read very little of what is being I read very little of what is being produced now by the big two. Instead, I look for material that was first published in the 70s and 80s. My limited experience as a quote-unquote collector, and I'm holding up my hands, but nobody can see that, spans from 1981 to 1984, and I was a DC guy through and through. I actually stopped reading comics before the Crisis storyline began, even though I had been following the promos back then. I also went back and listened to the review that Scott and Michael Bailey did on DC Comics Presents Annual Number 1 and Episode 72. That comic is a particular favorite of mine, and I remember finding it on a spin rack oh so many decades ago. That story exposed me to Ultraman of Earth 3, the Luthers of Earth 2 and 3, and was my gateway into the greater DC multiverse. Please continue your fine work, gentlemen, and Paul... A very grateful thank you for consistently releasing the show on time. Regards, Dion Balascan. And we have a lovely picture of six men in what appears to be... This might be in some tropical... Uh, I don't know if that's Hawaii. I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Well, it looks like an outrigger because it's, uh, you know, it's got the little thingy on the side. Uh-huh. Like, you remember the opening to Hawaii Five-O? And they had the guy paddling, the guys paddling on, on, on the ocean. That's what it looks like. It's it's like a canoe long enough to fit six people comfortably. It's Yeah, but it's not like a rowing, like like you see like a row team, because each guy is like, all, there are six guys, and they're each alternating on each side of the, uh, the boat. Four guys are wearing green shirts, one guy is wearing one, and one guy is wearing none. And there's a lovely unfinished warehouse in the background with a cat bulldozer or excavator behind it with trees and palm trees and telephone poles and sky and water. It looks to be a cooler and some trash in there in the front. Maybe a lawn chair over there by that palm tree. Oh. Anyway. Okay. I think we've gone, gone far enough, enough in detail. In that particular. Well, I just wonder why the picture's here. I'm so confused. I'm not exactly sure either. Oh. I think maybe it's but just, just a Speaking of the DC Comics Presents Annual... Coming soon to a podcast near you, you will hear Paul and I as a guests. As guests. As a guest. As, as a guest. I am a guest. I am a guest on another show. Would you like to tell them what show that will be? Or should we just let it be a surprise? And- no, that will be the DC Comics Presents show with hosted by Russell Bragg. Russell was uh, kind enough to invite us to come on, and we discussed that annual with him. I don't know if that's coming out before or after this episode, so... Um, I think it will come out after because I think he said that was being released sometime in August, his episode. So we this would probably be out maybe at close to the same time. Maybe. Uh, maybe? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I was going to comment on the email and I forgot what he wrote. That's because I just blew your mind with that description of the picture. Spinner Act, Marvel Unlimited, collecting from 1981 to 1984. Oh, no, just, just the, uh, the Avengers Kree-Skrull War. I, I guess I can understand where somebody who... Hadn't previously been exposed to it and compared it to the way comics are written nowadays might have an issue with it. Well, uh, I mean, but but I I read that early in my collecting days and I loved it. I still I still enjoy it. Yeah, see, I think if you just sit down and just read what they put out as the Kree Scroll War, it's not that great. But you have to have the build up for it through the Avengers books prior to that. I mean, at least that's just my opinion. I know Scott's not hot on it. But Scott doesn't like the Celestial Madonna either, so who, yeah, we're not accounting for taste. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> she's just hot. This one is hot. Oh. Feeling hot, hot, hot. So our next email is from Socrates Alvarez the Third, and it is titled Astro City. Good evening, Mr. Producer. Just got done with the latest Bins cast. As usual, great show. I have a near-complete run of Astro City in my collection and wanted to answer some of your and Professor Allen's questions. A full run is a bit difficult due to numbering, minis, specials, etc. released through different publishers. The current volume does touch on past characters as they age in real time. The latest stories revisit Steel Jack and Jack in the Box. The main reason I like this series is its spotlight on classic superheroism. Super and respect the series and respect the series shows to past creators and the characters they represent. I think Anderson's art style is more classic than dynamic, which provides a realism to the panels. So much of Astro City focuses on the man on the ground view man on the ground view of heroes. 
Busiek is fantastic too, and Ross's design work is great in an era that want to copy movie costumes. Best regards, Socrates S. Alvarez III. Well, thank you for that update on, on Astro City. I have, as I mentioned in that episode, I have a bunch of Astro City issues, and uh, I need to pull them out and just sit and read them. I see. I haven't read any Astro City. How sad. At all. Wait, you know, speaking of uh, Mr. Alvarez, um, I noticed in one of our older episodes, I was going to explain everything about Parademons, and somehow it got cut off. So I, I apologize for that. I don't know what, what happened. You know, I don't do the editing, so I'm just saying. You want to read the next letter, Dr. Bill? Yeah. So that would be from Mr. Russell Bragg, and is entitled Back to the Bins 240 Earth 3. Hi, guys. Great episode, great episode as per usual. If we are counting DC archives, I had both issues presented. It was a it was in Justice League of America Archives Volume Four, but I also have them reprinted in the Trade Crisis on Multiple Earths Volume One. I miss the good old days of multiple Earth, ooh, excuse me, multiple Earths. Little pizza, Mike's hard lemonade there. <clears throat> I know that they have come back in some fashion in the comics of today, but it probably isn't the same. For some reason, whenever the JLA had to contend with Earth Three, I always got nervous. The crime syndicate was always so sinister and powerful. I almost didn't think that Justice, Justice League would survive. That's what we as kids were supposed to think, I guess. I really don't have much else to say except that these comic issues were great, the coverage was exceptional, and Dr. Bill was missed. Thank you for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Soon to be featuring Paul and Dr. Bill. Yeah, I, I always like the multiple Earth stories my, myself. Me too, and that's when, when we picked, well, when I picked those books to cover, uh, I kind of thought we were going to get something that I'd enjoy, and I was a little disappointed by it. So, hence I, commentary. I remember the first time I uh, um, found out that Bat, like, like I was I was looking at a book, but I didn't realize it was an Earth 2 book, and I said Batman was dead, and I'm like, oh my god, Batman's dead, but then I, you know. Why does Robin look so old and buffed? I'm so confused. Oh, wait. This is Earth 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Our next email is also from Mr. Bragg, titled Back to the Bins number 243, Backyard to the Bins. Hey, guys. Great episode as usual. With these live event-type podcasts, I'm always afraid I won't be able to hear everything. No worries this time. The sound was perfect. To put my two cents in on the where to start with Hulk question... I would agree with Paul about starting from the beginning. I'm very much a chronological kind of guy. When I think of podcasts I might create someday, they are always comic book series from beginning to end. Savage She-Hulk, The Super Friends, to name a few. Myself, I have nine Marvel Masterworks, Incredible Hulk volumes, with number 10 coming out in August. I also have The Incredible Hulk, the Complete Collection DVD-ROM. Thank you, Mr. Spataro. It has all of the Hulk comic issues from 1962 to 2006. And then in parentheses, he has Hulk 1 through 6, Tales to Astonish 60 to 101, Incredible Hulk Volume 1, 102 to 474, Incredible Hulk Volume 2, 1 to 99, Annuals 1 through 25. And just to drive Scott nuts, Russell likes Hulk comics. (laughs) You were talking about the Hulk cartoons as well. All of them are on DVD, but from the UK. And you have to have a region-free player, which we do. I currently have Hulk 66, 80s, and 90s. Captain America 66, Iron Man 66, and 90s, Spider-Man 80s and 90s, and Unlimited, and Fantastic Four 78. I was happy to hear Goom make an appearance, even if it was for a short time. It was painful to hear about Dr. Bill's kidney stone experience again, and it didn't sound quite right when you said, and the doctor came in with a camera. (laughs) I'm glad you're all better now and hope you don't have to go through that ever again. It sure sounded like you guys had a great time. I would love to join you someday, but I will admit I would probably get lost with all the Star Trek and Star Wars talk that assuredly goes on. Upon losing street cred with you, I'm not very well versed on either property. I'm sure that I could talk about something, but I don't know what. I know you could play the what movie quote Russell doesn't know game. Better close for now. Thanks for at least letting me be there with you in spirit. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Uh, Maybe we pick on you too hard. Hmm? 
Russell. We pick on Russell too hard about what movie quote Russell doesn't know. Well, we pick on him because we're so fond of him. That's true. It's like, it's like when I pick on you. This is love? Oh. What's love got to do with it? Just a second-hand emotion. I'm your private dance. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. Got an email not... to read? Yeah. And this is Paul's Mike Fran... Francesa. Fran... Mike Francesa Dynamic. And this is from Richard Shannon. We've we've heard from him before, haven't we? Oh yeah, <laughs> duh. Because it says thanks for reading my last email, <laughs> dear Paul and Doctor Bell and Scott. Thanks for reading my last email. It was a real treat to listen to one of your episodes. And will listener emails come up? Mine is the one that has made the cut to be read. <laughs> hey man, we read everybody's emails. Yeah, I mean, we had we've never cut one out. The only thing I would cut out is if somebody wrote something offensive. Yeah, and even then I would consider it. And then we might just bleep it or you know re-explain it. I don't even think we. I, I, I would only exclude it if the entire subject was offensive. Right, which I don't think we've had that. Except no, those, I don't recall ever seeing that. Except, except for the African Prince guys. I'm, you know, I don't care if I'm related to some guy. They're not getting my bank account number, and I don't want their Rolex watches. <clears throat> well, their penis and lodges. <laughs> Anyway, that left some clarifications to be made. When I, when I said Paul sounded like Mike Francesa, it wasn't. Who is Mike Francesa? He is a New York sports radio ah okay personality who's been doing it in New York for about thirty years now. Gotcha. It wasn't his attitude on the show. It was the sound of his voice and speech cadence that caught my ear and made me think of that. The comic shop I mentioned to Scott in Newman. Newman was Newman Sports Cards. They opened in the mid-90s, and their first location was in a Kroger shopping center off Bullsboro Drive in Newman. Noonan. Noonan. Oh, the first store. Noonan. The first store was, a real small, was real small and sold sports cards and some comics. Then about a year or so later, they expanded to a bigger store in that location that added more comics, action figures, board games, and other comic stuff and D&D stuff. They've moved twice in the 2000s and are, a, and are a popular gaming location for Magic and Pokemon. Pokemon, Pokemon. And I won't do my joke again because you'll cut it out like you did earlier. Tim Roberts is the current owner. I hope this clears up any questions from my last email, and I look forward to more of your shows. Richard Shannon. You know, you pretty much most comic shops nowadays, I don't really... I mean, unless they move a high volume of comics, like I'd really be curious to see what uh, Chris, um, what is Chris's full name? Uh, the guy that does Wild Pig Comics. Oh, uh, Eberly. What what he has in his store, or like other things that he pushes, because I know I know, I know he says the magic games are big there, the card games. Right. I mean, you you have to have something else to get people in. I don't think they can really live on comics alone anymore. Because I know my local LCS, they're always pimping and pushing merchandise and and pimping and pushing. <laughs> and when um, just before you and I and and Russell recorded our um, our podcast the other night last weekend, um, I had saw that they were like my LCS was having a um, they're like uh, their thirteenth anniversary sale. And they were selling new, new current comics off the rack, seven ninety nine and up for a dollar. So that kind of tells me one of two things: me either maybe he's got a lot of inventory he's sitting on and he needs to move it because it's not going anywhere and he just wants to blow it out, or he's just really being generous, or maybe both. But I think it's probably just wanting to move a bunch of stuff off the shelves that's been sitting there for quite some time. But that could ooh. well be. Well, and, because and, you know, I, when I say some of these comics, collections that they buy, they buy on the cheap too. So. Well, I mean, but when I say current comics, his style of his store is like he'll have one rack that's just new comics. But then there'll be like a DC section, a Marvel section, section, an indie section. And you could have up to eight months to a year's worth of backlog there. And then it goes into the bins. So it's like that counts as the current books. Because when he has a sale on bins, when it's uh, $9.99 and under for for a dollar you can't get the wall books right so and i was like oh so it's like well thanks russell you saved me a lot of money because i would have gone there and just ah, gone nuts want to get nuts let's get nuts all right our next email is from trentus magnus i think this is the first time that trentus has written into us his wow that's a long one i'm glad you taught this one all right well this one directly uh impacts on uh 
on my subject anyway. It's titled Back to the Bins 242, Time to Rant. Mm. Hello, Back to Binners. Magnus here. <laughs> Just finished Back to the Bins number 242, Time to Rant. I apologize for the delay, but I'm only just getting caught up on the show. Paul's story about rude, disrespectful comic prose really torqued me off. Are we allowed to cuss in emails? If not, yes, the story torqued me off. But if we are allowed to cuss in emails, yes, his story pissed me off. Don't get me wrong. I don't have cancer, and I'm pretty sure I don't know anybody who's had cancer. So it's not like I have a personal stake in this. But on the other hand, what Paul asked for was pretty fair and not demanding at all. I know that a lot of artists get asked for free stuff a lot, and I respect how labor-intensive their job is. But A, this is for a good cause, and B, nobody is demanding anything. A polite no thank you probably would have covered it. The bleepouts weren't entirely perfect, so I'm pretty sure I know who one of those jackhole pros is. He's a real jackhole, and no, I'm not just saying that because the little bitch unfriended me on Facebook because of some political thing. I'd probably do better to skip here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, as to the other topics, Evil Knievel is a bit before my time. That fad had mostly come and gone by the time I was a kid. In fact, I'm pretty sure he retired the year I was born. This, however, did not prevent me from coming into possession of an Evil Knievel toy motorcycle. I really wish I could tell you more about it, but I'm pretty sure the toy motorcycle met a grisly end thanks to an M80 when I was four years old. <laughs> my parents let their four-year-old son play with M80s and other dangerous firecrackers, unsupervised, I might add. There are many blessings to being the youngest of three sons, one of which is your parents have started believing their children to be immortal since the first two never managed to get themselves (laughs) killed. Then again, it was the 1980s. By the way, uh, Trentus, I'm also the youngest of three sons, and I'm also the youngest of four because I had a sister as well. So, yeah, they do let you get away with a lot more than they let the older kids get away with. Anyway, that's why the Knievel fad has always fascinated me. Even though I was a pretty stupid kid, even I realized that the Simpsons episode Bart the Daredevil riffed on Knievel. Chalk it up to a rare moment of insightfulness. A statistical aberration, really. And it's amusing that the writing staff that's so often accused of being timely did a show lampooning a 70s icon. What they didn't want to wait another 20... What? They didn't want to wait another 20 years before before doing a Knievel pastiche. (laughs) Then again, who, who are my generation to judge the Knievel craze? We made a celebrity out of Tom Green for a few years there, after all. So while the Knievel fandom somewhat eludes me, I do enjoy studying other fandoms of a sort of Greek sociological experiment. The more you guys describe Knievel, the more straight lines I can think I think can be drawn between being a Knievel fan and being a non-annoying Batman fan. Batman has broken a lot of bones too, and unlike Knievel, Batman didn't earn millions of dollars doing it. So one must acknowledge Knievel is the better businessman. <laughs> Overall, fun show and good discussion. Are you guys ever planning to cover the Jaws adaptation comic? If memory serves, it was drawn by Kurt Swan. Decent little read. Hope you're all well, but even if you're not, you're still in better condition than the Evil Knievel toy motorcycle I blew up with in M80s when I was a kid. Magnus. Uh, thanks. I appreciate the support. I really do. I, I you know, I got a, a private message from somebody, and I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to... Uh, the fact that it was sent as a private message says to me that the person may not want to be identified. But effectively, it commented on the whole process of people stepping out of group, you know, group uh, discussions and said something to the extent of uh, the bigger the group is, the more likely I am just to leave without saying anything because it cuts the number of notifications to all those other people in the group. That's probably the worst part about being in a group chat, a notification sound, beep, whatever, every time someone says anything. Kind of like being in those annoying email chains where people don't know what reply all means. To me, just leaving without a comment seems more polite to all the other people in the group. So that's part of what was written to me. And you know, I understand the logic of all of that. And while I thought it was rude, and I still think it was rude, I don't back off that thought, uh, my particular or my biggest problem was with the one person who had the nerve to say what he said. Uh, you know, that, that, that he kind of like rubbed it in, in my face. Like, not only was I rude, but I'm going to go out of my way to be rude again. Goodbye again. Yeah, I, I thought it was a real douche move, to be honest with you. So that's my biggest, uh, my biggest offense. But quite frankly, even when I'm in a group chat or a group message, I think just leaving without saying anything at all, without participating in any way, I think it's kind of rude. Uh, I'm sure it's not always intended to be rude, 
but I do think that's the way it comes off. I've been in some group chats. We, we've actually had a big group chat going recently. And when I had it open, it was just message after message after message. But And I, I didn't leave it. But if I did, I think I would have at least put something to the effect of, uh, you know, bye, guys, I'm leaving now or something. I, I just thought, you know, you, you ask the question and I tried to, to word it very respectfully. I think I succeeded in doing that. And to get an immediate response that the person just left the conversation with no, without comment, I think was disrespectful to me. And keep in mind, these are people who the reason I am their Facebook friend is because I'm a fan of their work. The reason they are a friend of, of me on Facebook is because they're trying to promote their work. They're not friends with me because they thought I was a cool guy. They're friends with me because they're trying to promote their work. So they're using me as a method of advertising through their Facebook page. And I don't think I asked too much to ask them to just be respectful. A lot of the people just sat by innocently and didn't say anything. And I wasn't offended at all by them. So I, I do stand by my feelings, even though I do think my unnamed commenter makes a good point. Stand and again, by I thank, your rant. Again, I thank Trentis for his email because I think it was, you know, it was supportive and I appreciate it. The Knievel thoughts are, are all kind of just an addendum to what we were saying on them. And the other thing to address is, yeah, I would like to, I would like to cover the Jaws adaptation comic. Uh, as far as I know, that's just a Jaws 2 adaptation. I don't think they ever did one of the first Jaws movie. If they did, please let us know because I would love to get a hold of that. Hmm. I thought we um, talked about that before. I don't remember. I think there's just the Jaws 2. Hmm. Surprised there wasn't a one for the first one. Well, the first one didn't have the buzz. That, mm. You know, I, I'm sure they thought they were making a good movie when they made Jaws. Didn't have the bite, but, you might say. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they had any idea it was going to be the sensation that it was. So it didn't have the same marketing scheme that Jaws 2 did. And I would, I would think that's that's the difference, and that's why there wouldn't have been a comic adaptation of it. Unless, of course, there has been, and I'm unaware of it. Want to read another email? Yeah, um, we could do that. And uh, maybe we could talk, uh, you know, we can look for the, uh, we can start looking for the Godfather 2 comic book adaptation. I'm sure that's out there. Maybe. Maybe Kirk Greenfield can help us. <laughs> he hates me. No, he doesn't. He loves me because he sent me a copy of the Godfather, which I... I haven't started reading yet because I've got a current reading assignment already in front of me for another show, but I will get to it. But our last email, our last, the last dinosaur. Oh, wait. Hold no. in my hand the list email. And it's from, guess who it's from, everybody? Can you guess who it's from? Anybody? Anyone? I can guess because I have the email bag. Right well, I know. I know. It is from Russell Bragg. Yay! Rudy, Rudy. Oh, sorry. Iron Man's friend. So I was thinking, I was thinking this today, if um, because they were uh, Rudy Giuliani was in the news, and I was thinking, what if I called him Rudy, like Rudy Giuliani? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you mean Rudy? No, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, right? <laughs> but Rudy could be a nickname for Rudy, couldn't it? I swear I've heard him call Rudy Rudy in the comics. Yeah, no. or maybe in my head canon. Yeah, that's it. Back to the bins, number 244, 1975, part trace. Uh, we we swear, folks, we will get through 1975 this year, even if it kills us. Hey, guys, I was so sure you would get to the end of 1975, but at least we listeners will get another great podcast out of it. As I did before, I will attempt to list the comics I have and then the ones I want. August, cha-chow, cha-chow, chow, chow. I have Action Comics 453, Batman Family number 2, Superman 293, and I want Flash 237, Justice League of America number 124, and MGM's Marvelous Wizard of Oz number 1. September, chow, 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 chow. We only did two months? Wow. I have Action Comics 454, where are you? Justice League of America number 125, Limited Collector's Edition C40, which I have no idea what that is, like what the actual book was. And Limited Collector's Edition number C41. Super Team Family, number two. Superman 294. Superman Family 174. World's Finest, number 234. And Russell would like to have 
Flash 238. Now, of course, I may have other issues listed in other forms, such as archives, DVD-ROM, thanks, Paul, or trades, but that would take too long to research and for you guys to read. I know you wouldn't do it just because I want you to, but I like the idea of a Marvel team-up Brave of the Bold show. I would probably be more excited about the Brave and the Bold episode since I am a DC guy, but I am not opposed to the Marvel book. I like Spider-Man enough that I wouldn't skip that episode. Better close up for now. Keep up the great work as I know you will, and thanks once again for keeping me entertained. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. And that completes the bag. That's it for our current email. And now Avengers Spotlight Mail. We do have we do have a bag of Avengers Spotlight Mail that we're going to have to do. We need to do an Avengers Spotlight episode and cover the books that we've talked about covering. Yeah, when got, we do that, we'll read some of the Avengers Spotlight email then. And we've got ten emails in that bag. Woohoo! I do you know I do appreciate everybody's email though. It's it's very very nice to get it all, but you know sometimes it's just hard to get a chance to read it all. Yeah, I mean we've been these 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 emails have been piling up, so you know it's kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Not difficult? Too, no, I was. It's uh, not uh, anyway. Uh, words, words, words escape me. It was helpful, or it was well. It was stupendous that things worked out this way. I don't know. Serendipitous. Ooh, maybe that's what I was looking for. Yeah, because I I was looking for a word that sounded like duplicitous, but I knew that wasn't it. So yeah, it must have been serendipitous. Stupefy. Stupefy. Not stupefy. 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 Semperfy. Semperfy Yahoo, Gunny. All right. I think we'll call it on that and say goodnight to everybody. See you next week when I promise you we'll have a book. I'll have a book? Somebody will have a book. Somebody will have a book. There will be book. um, um, Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Oh, sorry. I was eating a Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs>